Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our text is taken from Psalm 127, verse 1, which says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. The idea behind this verse is that without the Lord, everything is wasted and useless unless the Lord builds a house unless the Lord builds your home and I'm not talking about the physical building I'm talking about the people in the in the house unless the Lord builds the house they labor in vain and unless the Lord keeps the city keeps life keeps the world unless he keeps the Lord they labor in vain the Lord is the one who created this world. The Lord is the one that created each person, including yourself. And he's the only one that where you can find hope. He's the only one that has salvation. He's the only one that can meet your need. He's the only one that can open the door for you and help you. Never glory to his name, glory to his name, glory to his name. All may change, but Jesus never. Welcome to Mission Moments. This is Dennis Campbell standing in for Dr. Brian Albrecht. Our hearts and prayers continue with Ukraine people in the state of chaos and uncertainty. Many of you are curious to know what's being done for so many Ukrainians who are burdened and hurting. We have Melissa, our communication director, is again with us telling us what God has accomplished with the Ukrainian refugees. Thank you for being here. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, as you can imagine, this is a sobering time, and they are in great need. Deuteronomy 10:18 says that God loves the stranger, meaning foreigner, giving him food and clothing. We have a ministry partner who brought 27 Ukrainian refugees over the border in Moldova just in one day. He's making constant, grueling trips daily. We also have Mission Go missionaries in Romania, and their team is receiving Ukrainian children, women, elderly, and the handicapped. 
The team recently brought busloads of Ukrainians over the Romanian border, including a group of 17 orphans. Women and children are being driven to Italy or Hungary or wherever they have family, and more than 60 orphans have been taken to safe housing in Romania. Other refugees are being taken to our missionaries' ministry buildings. They are provided with food, access to clean showers, warm clothing, and shelter. As we speak, our missionaries are currently loading a large vehicle of coats, gloves, hats, diapers, wipes, blankets, and medication to the Ukrainians. There are so many needs for prayer in this dark time. How can our listeners pray? There are three main prayer requests. First, please pray for Christians to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ by helping others and to use opportunities that the Lord gives to share the gospel. Please pray that they stay united with purpose. They need to remember where their strength and their comfort is found and in whom their identity rests. Second, Please pray for gospel seeds that have been planted in the hearts of Ukrainians over decades of mission work to grow and reap a harvest. Third, please pray for the continued funds and continued ability for our missionaries and ministry partners to implement this great work. Pray for strength despite fatigue and peace despite chaos. James 2:16 says, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled. But if we do not give the things that are needed for the body, what does it profit? Jesus tells us, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. These ministers of the gospel are fulfilling these commands, and it is stunning to watch. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in times of trouble. The Lord of hosts is with us. He is our refuge. We are claiming these promises over our Ukrainian brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you, Melissa. I'm going to ask all to continue to pray for those who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. If the Lord lays it on your heart to give today to this work, please visit missiongo.org backslash Ukraine or send a check to our office and write the subject line, Ukrainian Aid. If you have any questions, please call us at our toll-free number at 866-483-5787. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you're aware, this is a listener-supported program And we cannot continue to be on the air without the support of our faithful listeners and those who pray for us often. This month, we're offering a wonderful booklet entitled Prayer. I've uh, read a lot of books on prayer over my lifetime. And this pamphlet, I believe, is the best thing that I've seen on the subject. It covers so many different things. It covers the idea of the basics of how to pray, but more than that, it talks about does God hear all our prayers? Why is prayer important? What about unanswered prayers? What about when God says no? There are three things we need to know before we pray is that God cares for us, that God hears our prayers, and that you can pray with confidence. And I think this pamphlet will help you pray in confidence. I found myself as I was reading through this booklet 
because it has over a hundred prayer references. I was praying constantly because there were areas of my life that I've not been praying for or with or to. And uh, it really encouraged me to pray in a much broader spectrum than I have in the past. And I highly recommend this to you. Please write into our broadcast with the request to get the booklet on prayer. To order your copy, please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. I'm sure you'll be happy if you write in to get this booklet. It'll be a great blessing to you. Today's message is from the Honorable Ernest C. Manning and is entitled, Faith Once Delivered. Printed copies are available upon Today, as we continue the series of talks entitled, The Faith Once Delivered, may I direct your attention to two statements made by the Apostle Paul. The first is in his letter to the Galatians, chapter 1, verse 11. I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. 
For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. The second statement on the same subject is in his letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body, and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. These statements make clear that the good news or gospel of the grace of God was committed to Paul by divine revelation and was not previously known to mankind. The revelation of the gospel of grace to the Apostle Paul is a cardinal highlight of the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. It is of tremendous importance to everyone. We need to understand its significance and relevance to us today. That's why I'd like to discuss it with you now. Several different Gospels are spoken of in the Scriptures. Many fail to recognize the important differences between them, which often leads to confusion and error. Let me give you some examples. Mark 1 speaks of the Gospel or good news of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 6.15 speaks of the Gospel of peace. Revelation 14.6 speaks of the everlasting Gospel. Matthew 4.23 speaks of the gospel of the kingdom. And Acts 20.24 speaks of the gospel of the grace of God, the gospel committed to the apostle Paul by divine revelation. For the purpose of our study today, I'd like to concentrate on the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel or good news of the kingdom goes all the way back to the Old Testament prophets who foretold the coming of Christ as Israel's Messiah to reign over the house of Jacob, or Israel, forever, and of whose kingdom there would be no end. One reason why the Jews did not recognize Christ as their promised Messiah was they looked for a Messiah who would come in power and majesty as a king to free them from their oppressors and reestablish the throne of David and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. Consequently, when Christ came as a babe born in a lowly cattle shed, later to walk the highways and byways of Judea and Galilee as a humble itinerant teacher, they could not conceive of him being their Messiah, and so rejected him as an imposter. Their leaders likewise rejected the witness of John the Baptist, who came preaching the gospel of the kingdom, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There stands in your midst one whom ye know not. Behold the Lamb of God, who taketh away the sin of the world. Mark 1.14 says, After that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, 
preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. In fact, the gospel of the kingdom was the only gospel Christ preached throughout his earthly ministry. Most of his parables were told to illustrate important truths about his coming kingdom of heaven on earth. He usually started with the words, the kingdom of heaven is like unto this, or the kingdom of heaven is like unto that. His ministry, he said, was unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Had they believed and acknowledged him as their promised Messiah, he would have established the promised kingdom and taken his rightful place on the throne of his father David. But instead they rejected him and branded him a blasphemer and impostor and persuaded the Roman governor Pilate to sentence him to death by crucifixion. But God, in keeping with his eternal plan and purpose, turned their rejection and crucifixion of his son into an open door to eternal salvation, not only for Israel, but for the Gentile world as well. On the cross, God laid on him the iniquity of us all. He died the just for the unjust, the sinless for the sinful, the creator for his creation, that the door might be opened for another gospel addressed not only to Israel, but to Gentiles as well. The gospel or good news that through the grace of God, the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ. When Christ had paid in full by his death the price of our redemption, he rose again from the dead. Through the witness of the twelve apostles and their fellow believers to Christ's deity and resurrection, God afforded his people Israel another opportunity to acknowledge that Jesus was indeed their Messiah and receive him as their Savior and Sovereign Lord. That's why from the birth of the Kingdom Church at Pentecost, the witness of the apostles was not to Gentiles but to the Jews. The Apostle Peter, addressing those who witnessed his miraculous healing of a paralyzed man in the name of Christ, concluded with these words in Acts 3, 25-26, Ye are the children of the prophets, and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, notice those words, unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Earlier, as recorded in Acts 3, 19, 21, he had said to them, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Now listen carefully. And he shall send Jesus Christ which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the time of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. You see the theme of his message? They had crucified God's Son, their Messiah, Jesus Christ. God had now given them added proof of his deity in that he had resurrected them from the dead. If in the light of Christ's resurrection... They would now believe and acknowledge his deity and messiahship. Christ would return 
and the promised kingdom of heaven on earth would be ushered in. But again they refused to believe and continued refusing despite the irrefutable proofs of Christ's resurrection. The church during that period following Pentecost is often spoken of as the kingdom church because the theme of the apostles' witness to the Jews was if they would now believe the resurrected Christ would return and set up his kingdom as God had promised through their Old Testament prophets. When you come in the divine record to Acts chapters 10 and 11, you find the first departure from the apostles' witness exclusively to the Jews. Those chapters record how a Gentile named Cornelius was moved to send for Peter to learn from him the way of life, and how God removed Peter's unwillingness to fellowship with a Gentile by giving him a vision through which he taught Peter he should not regard any man as common or unclean. Peter visited the household of Cornelius, and as he witnessed to the deity and resurrection of Christ, Cornelius and his household believed, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit as the Jewish believers had been at Pentecost. Now, when Peter returned to Jerusalem, he was criticized by the Hebrew Christians for having preached to Gentiles. But he recounted the vision God had given him and Cornelius's response to his witness as evidence that God was intending to extend salvation through Christ to Gentiles as well as Jews. Meanwhile, Saul of Tarsus, the most vehement enemy of the church, experienced a miraculous conversion on the road to Damascus, where he was going with the intention of apprehending any and all who professed faith in Christ. Saul, whose name was later changed to Paul, described his conversion in these words in his defense before King Agrippa, as recorded in Acts 22. As I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, came and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked up upon him. And he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldst know his will, and see that just one, and shouldst hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And it came to pass that when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance, and saw him saying unto me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. In his letter to the Galatians, Paul recounts how he then went into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. It seems most likely that the gospel of the grace of God was committed unto him by revelation while in Arabia. In Galatians 2, he speaks of going to Jerusalem 14 years later with Barnabas 
to communicate to the Jewish Christians the gospel of grace that God had commissioned him to preach to the Gentiles. Acts 15 describes the serious controversy that developed between the Hebrew Christians at Jerusalem and the Christians of the Gentile churches throughout Asia who had responded to the gospel of the grace of God through Paul's ministry. The Hebrew Christians held that circumcision was necessary for salvation and that Christians were required to keep the law of Moses. Read the chapter for yourself. It's a most interesting record of how fundamental differences between the gospel preached by the kingdom church and the gospel of grace as revealed to Paul led to a serious controversy in the early church on how it was resolved. Let me close by pointing out the scope and completeness of the gospel of grace as recorded in Acts 13, 38, and 39, where Paul, speaking under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, that is, Jesus Christ, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things, from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. Did you get that? By him, that is by Jesus Christ, all, not just some, but all that believe, are justified, not maybe or will be, but right here and now are justified from not just some things, not just from sins of the past, but are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. While the kingdom church was born at Jerusalem at Pentecost, the church of grace was headquartered at Antioch, from whence Paul and Barnabas started their first missionary journey. Their message was not just to the Jews, but to all people of all colors and races. The great and glorious mystery of the gospel of grace, Paul says, is that not only the Jews but also the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of God's promise in Christ. For in him there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. That is why genuine Bible Christianity born of the grace of God, is the answer to racial prejudices, to conflicts between employers and employees, and to inequalities between men and women. Let me repeat it. In him there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. The gospel of grace gave birth to the church of grace and the great universal mystical body of Christ, which we'll discuss in our next talk, God willing. But let me ask you now what your response has been to the gospel or the good news of the grace of God. Do you believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and that he died for your sins according to the scriptures? I trust that the message you just heard will be a great blessing to you this next week. We are so thankful for your continuing listening and uh, encouragement in this ministry. 
Here at Cannes National Bible Hour, we're always concerned about the spiritual well-being of the people that actually listen to our broadcasts. That he thought about me, he loved me, he died for me, he rose again on the third day. The scriptures are really clear. It tells us that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not one of us who has committed even one sin in our life who can get into the presence of God. But the Lord Jesus Christ followed the will of the Father when he came to earth, lived a sinless life, died on a cross for your sins and for my sins. He paid a penalty that we could not pay. He took the hell that we deserve for our own sin and put it on his own body. He died and he rose on the third day. He's alive. And if we have a sincere prayer, if we really want to confess our sins and realize that he is the only Savior in the world, we can put our faith and trust in him by praying a prayer, asking him to come into our life. will be different because God will be in your life and will help you through the difficulties that you face. Remember to order your copy of the booklet on prayer. Write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R787, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And you can hear past broadcasts on our website at www.missiongo.org, M-I-S-S-I-O-N-G-O dot O-R-G. You can also find us on MGO Radio online. It's a 24-hour service with Christian music and messages. May the Lord bless you this next week.